Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and you're listening to The Vegan Report. If you're vegan for the animals and you care to do more for animal rights, but you're not sure where to start, then this podcast is for you. Every week, let yourself fall in love with passionate animal rights leaders who will inspire you to find your voice, your own special contribution to the animal rights movement, however small or big it is. Today, we are going to talk about vegan conservatives. I always perceived veganism as being a movement under criticism by the right and the left. Some conservatives talk of vegans as being a joke, being woke. They say veganism is a cult. And of course, there's this focus on the importance of masculinity. And this is often associated with eating meat uh, or hunting. However, criticism also comes from liberals who dismiss vegans by labeling them as being anti-indigenous people. They're also called elitist, capitalist, inaccessible, caring more about animals than people of color. I've heard it all. And liberal and conservative governments from around the world have always been great allies of the animal industry. But what I'm interested in is the political discourse from within the vegan movement. I have to say, all the vegans I know are on the left. And that perception seems to be backed up by various studies. One report from Gallup, dating back to 2018, read as follow. Self-described liberal Americans are among the most likely to be vegetarian or vegan, around 1 in 10 liberals, about 11% say they are vegetarian, and 5% say they are vegans. And it makes sense, because for many vegans, veganism is an extension of their liberalism, if not at least a position consistent with their political values. Then there is a good portion of apolitical or independent vegans. But my real question is, where are the conservative vegans? In eight years of being vegan, I never met a single conservative vegan. And it's not just my bias, because that same Gallup report found that only 2% of conservatives say they are either vegetarian or vegan. 2% of conservatives compared to 11% of liberals. And my first reaction was to think, I need to find vegan conservatives and talk with them, understand where they're coming from, and maybe get some insights on how to better advocate for veganism among conservatives. Because I consider that 2% as a failure to advocate veganism to conservatives. And someone needs to do something. So here I am taking some first steps. I published uh, an ad on the subreddit vegan and two brave vegan conservatives answered my invitation. Both of you, Andres, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. So can we start by some introductions? Maybe Michelle, would you like to start? Certainly. Um, my name is Michelle. 
I'm almost 49 in October. I'll be 49. Um, and I live in Florida. So deep in the South. Um, I moved here eight years ago, actually from Alabama. Um, and I have been vegan about four years now. Cool. My name is Andres. Um, some, uh, what a coincidence. We're both from Florida. Um, I, I am a first generation Cuban American though. So my parents came from Cuba in the sixties and then uh, made a life for themselves in the States. And I uh, was born in, in, and raised in South Florida. I moved away for a little while, but um, I'm back here. I am a, a cyclist, a musician, and also a vegan. I've been vegan for five years and meat-free for 10 in total now. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to get this talk going. So happy birthday in advance, Michelle. Thank uh, you. I I'm wondering, why did you choose to appear as guests on this podcast? Because it can be a bit intimidating to uh, talk publicly about your position. So I'm curious, what made you want to um, become guest on, on the vegan report? Would you like me to go first? Sure. <laughs> okay. So um, I saw your Reddit and I was like, oh... Because, you know, there's just this um, huge political divide. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to put it out there. Because maybe we can find something that will give us that common ground that will bring us all together. There's actually more conservative vegans than you can even begin to imagine. I'm part of a conservative vegan Facebook group. We're a small group. There's only 1,500. But that's 1,500 people strong. You know, and I feel like that's just in Florida. Maybe there's more. And so I love that you opened this up. And I think it's a great thing. Yeah, similar. Anytime there's some discussion about uh, veganism and right wing politics or, or just politics in general, I do like to chime in. Um, I like to remind people that vegans don't all fit into one box politically uh, Gary Yurofsky, if you're familiar, he has the, a very famous speech that's a lot of people's first introduction to veganism. All right, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Gary Yurofsky. Please take a moment and jot down my email address and my website in case you want to contact me later on. Today we're going to talk about the world's forgotten victims, animals, and the world's oldest and strongest addiction, meat. And he, at the start of his speech, he's saying, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to give up your friend group, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs. Just leave animals alone. I am not trying to take you away from your religion. No religion mandates meat eating. The golden rule states, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Animals qualify as others, and thou shalt not kill. The four most important yet most ignored words in all religious teachings. There's not an asterisk next to that commandment saying, unless you walk on all fours, have fur, feathers, horns, beaks, or gills. You can keep your friends, your politics, and your patriotism, still watch your favorite TV shows and listen to your favorite music, even if it's Ted Nugent. Uh, so I, I like to to remind people that 
you, you don't have to abandon these beliefs or or uh, change who you are, really. It's all about just kind of aligning your actions with your beliefs. And a lot of us believe that animal abuse is bad. So, you know, regardless of what you believe politically, economically, um, religiously, you can live in a way that leaves animals alone. So I, I definitely want to highlight that. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, who okay. doesn't? Who doesn't know Gary? I mean, I think he's the one without hair. Am I right? Yeah, 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 okay. definitely. Uh -huh. And he's got yeah a lot of clips, um, and just a very famous about an hour long speech. He he did a tour in a bunch of universities in the early 2010s, which lined up with my the time that my sister was a college student and she became vegetarian through him and uh I, I wish eventually vegan but she's still vegetarian now um and and i only found out that it was through gary uh like this past year she was like yeah it was this bald guy he was you know very passionate and i was like that's that's our guy we love that guy gary yurovsky michelle check him out if you haven't i i was just gonna say i've never heard of him um that um, let me write that down. What was his last name? It's a strange last name. Uh, Y-O-U-R-O-F-S-K-Y. S-K-Y. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay, I will absolutely check him out. Yeah, yeah. and listeners who haven't, uh, go check him out. I mean, uh, he's great. He's very charismatic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, what has been your conservative journey so far? Um, basically, I want to know, why do you identify as a conservative or right-leaning? Does it have bearing in your personal life or is it some, simply uh, a political choice? So here's a bulk of questions for you. Uh, Andres, would you like to start? Sure, yeah. I, I just want to start by saying that I, I feel like I'm still learning. I'm always willing to hear new positions. I love having heady debates and just talking about ideas and exchanging ideas. So I feel that I'm, I'm constantly learning um, and my feet are maybe not firmly planted in conservative ground. I, there are certainly a lot of positions I have that are um, right leaning uh, economically. And, and they're just like a few tenants that I believe individual Liberty, limited government, free market economics, and then probably the one that's most firm in in this camp would be uh, pro-life and it's secular pro-life, not not involving any religion. It's it's uh, simply acknowledging uh, that there are defenseless lives that are being harmed and so wanting to protect that. So in a way, I, I see so many similarities between conservatism or, or certain values in conservatism and and veganism, but we can we can get on that in in a a little while. Um, just uh, more about the journey. My my parents, as I mentioned, are Cuban. They came when there was a communist revolution in their country, so there's a lot of trauma with that. Um, and growing up, I didn't really understand it. In fact, I somewhat uh, somewhat selfishly dismissed their experiences and their views is just saying, well, they're just scared of anything remotely liberal or left-leaning. Uh, but growing up, I'm I'm 32 now, and, and in the last five years, I would say that there's been somewhat of a an embracing of a lot of the things that they were telling me about individual responsibility, individual rights, um, 
uh, you know, being against things like high taxation and stuff like that, um, that just started to make sense to me. In the US, we had a um, an election in 2020. So I was thinking a lot about politics then in a way that was deeper than just what my friend group or the people around me were talking about. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a musician, I'm a cyclist, I have hobbies and interests that are typically seen as things that more left-leaning people are involved with, artsy people, progressive people. So I, I have a lot of that in my life. But when I sit down and think about these topics and what I think is best for society and what I think is best for the world, a lot of it lines up with libertarian and conservative thinking. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, but again, in uh, taking a position of very, you know, open to, to debate and open to new ideas, but certainly having, um, some, some affiliation there with, with conservative thinking and right-leaning, uh, right-leaning thinking. Yeah. And I have to say, as someone who comes from a immigrant background, you know, I was born in North Africa. It is common among uh, immigrants to be conservative. I mean, it's a it's a common um, political stance. Uh, so what about you, Michelle? Um, so, you know, I, I thought long and hard about this one when I got your questions. And um, my mother is passed now. She actually passed away when she was 48. So it's it's been almost well, yeah, it's been 25 years now. Um, but if I had to look back on it, I think she was what is known as like an old school demo. Um, you know, she was 100% for women's rights, where my father was always very, very conservative. Um, and they divorced when I was young. Um, so I got this nice mixture. And I think for me, my conservative values are more deeply ingrained in my Christian values. Um, you know, I just going with the whole pro-life thing. Well, why do we stop there at a woman's body? And that's what kind of like embeds me in the vegan. Why does it stop at a woman's body? Why not an animal's body as well? They, they have the right to life as well, just as much as we do. Why are we any better than that animal? Um, so, you know, it, it was an interesting upbringing. I will say that much. Um, my mother has a brother who is gay, so I grew up with him and I guess me coming in and being more ingrained as a conservative, as I got older, it was more about less government and, you know, people are fighting for the right to their own body. Well, that happens when you have less government. If the government has their finger less on your body, then that's what happens when you're a conservative. And that's what we fight for all the time. Um, I don't want Big Brother telling me what I can and can't do. I don't want him taxing me into the grave. Um, get out of my life. Get out of my pocketbook. <laughs> um, and just let me live my life. I'm a, a hardcore patriot. Um, you know, I fight for my country and, you know, I've, I've never joined the military, but I, the little things that I do in my life on a daily basis, that's just, that's my, my take on life. So let's talk about, um, uh, if you don't mind that, that pro-life position and the link with veganism, because I've seen a lot of conservatives make, um, a link between their pro-life values and their veganism 
And mm -hmm. I have to say, I'm not very familiar with uh, the, the abortion debate since I'm Canadian. Um, this is not something present in the political landscape, the Canadian political landscape. It is more mm -hmm. of an American um, debate. Um, so wh who wants to take the, the mic? <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll just comment here, um, and I, I suppose it is quite interesting that Michelle takes it a little bit more from a religious perspective. I have thoughts on religion, and I'm, you know, I'm not dismissive of religion in, in the slightest. That I was raised Catholic, but I don't think that that's where a lot of my decision making uh, is influenced by. Um, although I, I do have, you know, my, my thoughts and my beliefs. I think that for the for the movement to be more widely accepted, I think it's it's better to take it from a, a secular approach, but maybe that's more of like an activism tactic. But just from my own perspective, I do see so many similarities um, between between uh, veganism and pro-lifeism. I have a few of them written down here and, and some that I've gotten from um, these so, so certain like groups online that are like, considered consistent life ethics so they have uh like viewpoints that are consistent across the board on various topics including what we eat and and issues like abortion so uh similarities between veganism and pro-lifeism both are centered around the idea of respecting life especially that of the innocent vulnerable defenseless um, the second point concern for the right to life is present in both um, number three, concern for the rights to not be harmed and to bodily autonomy. Um, so, yeah, we, we hear a lot about bodily autonomy um, in the pro-choice movement, where they're saying we shouldn't regulate what happens to a woman, but they're forgetting about the victim. And a lot of that happens with uh, veganism as well. They say, I, you know, it's my personal choice to eat whatever I want disregarding or forgetting that there's a victim involved with their choices. Um, so, you know, we can get into, into more parallels, but I think that that is already showing how, um, even with a lot of the language that non-vegans use to like dehumanize animals, a lot of pro-choice people will use similar tactics to dehumanize. It's just a clump of cells. It's, you know, it's not a human yet, things like that. So um, it actually... Interestingly, I became vegan first and veganism led me to being pro-life. And I've talked about this a little bit um, online and in certain, you know, subreddits and, um, you know, Instagram posts and things like that. Uh, and, and I've seen other people agree and say that, you know, it really makes sense if you think about what's what you're fighting for with veganism, what you're advocating for. A lot of it lines up with protecting uh, vulnerable and defenseless lives in the womb as well. Michelle, did you want to add something? Um, so for me, like, like I said, I grew up in a house with my mom who was an old school Democrat. So the idea of abortion when I was younger, it was just something that, you know, women were allowed to do. Um, my husband and I tried for many years to get pregnant. Um, he is a black man. Um, and he actually brought me deeper into my conservative roots because um, he's very conservative, like <laughs> as far conservative as you can get. You know, he just um, we lead a very modest lifestyle um, and he feels that that's just the way things should be. But when we finally were able to get pregnant with our son, 
um, we were given some devastating news that he would be born with um, not just Down syndrome, but spina bifida. So as a woman, I felt like a failure. I tried and tried for years to give this man a child. And here we were faced with this devastating news. And my doctor said, well, we can, we can do an abortion. And he was like, absolutely not. No. He said, if this is what God is entrusting to us to raise this child and bring him into the world, then who are we to question his plan? And I was just blown away by, you know, his sentiment. And um, we are fortunate enough. Um, my husband took me to church and we prayed and prayed and prayed, not for our own selfish benefit, but for the benefit of our child that God would bless us and let this child be born healthy and some miraculous I don't know. Uh, he's, he's 17 now and healthy as a horse, pardon the pun, but he's, he's extremely healthy and a very smart man. And just, I mean, when people meet this kid, I have people that come up to me all the time. I work in a bank and they're like, Oh, I know your son. He's just such a shining light. And you know what? Had I made that choice back then and not had my husband's support, he wouldn't be here today. So I feel like when, when women are so quick to snuff out that light, you could be giving up something that's just going to shine so brightly in this universe. That's, that's um, a touching story and just shows the power of, um, yeah, making, making reasoned and, and informed choices and not, not jumping to conclusions. A lot of times, I feel that uh, people are are pressured, especially in the U.S., to to go to that um, option rather than considering other options. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it just linking it back to veganism. There there are other options to for how to um, give ourselves nutrients and how to feed ourselves. And there are other options to to you know giving not not to giving birth there are other options to how you raise the child and and like caregiving services and all that um to to end the life is i would say is not an option right so in in both with regarding what we eat or what we wear and um lives that we bring into this into this world so, I, so, my i'm sorry okay. I, I just want, wanted to say like my whole pregnancy my husband spent the whole time researching how to care for a child with down syndrome and with spina bifida so it was just I, i'm very i'm very blessed like to have him in my life and he's such a good strong support and you know just the fact that he was willing to do all that to make sure that our child made it here in this world and if we were going to be faced with such things just it, it's amazing to me well the fact that you were ready to to welcome that child even with uh his disabilities i mean that's something um truly i don't know how many families would have felt courageous enough uh Mm -hmm. to 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 go ahead and 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 do it but uh let's talk about the vegan side then uh the the vegan label um I have basically the same question for you uh, than the conservative one, but um, in in terms of veganism. So what has been your vegan journey so far? Why did you become vegan? What was the reaction of family and friends? How did you handle that transition? 
basically how did it happen and why? You want to go first, Michelle? Sure. Um, so mine is actually a very interesting tale. Um, for many years, I struggled with my health. Um, after trying to get pregnant with my son, um, we were actually pregnant 14 times trying to have him. Um, so we had 14 miscarriages and then along came my son. Um, so I struggled with my weight and being pregnant back to back like that. It just, it wreaked so much havoc on my body and my sister, my older sister, she has been just forever in my face about my health. She's like, you have to eat healthy. You have to eat. She, she's, I like to call her a vegetarian because <laughs> while she's primarily vegan, she does in, in, occasionally eat cheese and things like that. Although I think I have swayed her away from it finally. Um, so, you know, she was forever in my face about my health. She was like, you need to get this under control. Your weight's out of control and now you're diabetic. And it was just, okay, so what do I do? She said, I need you to go watch this documentary on Netflix. It's called fat, sick, and nearly dead. All right, fair enough. I'm going to watch it. And I put it off and put it off and put it off because that's just my big sister yammering in my ear. And who wants to hear that? Um, but I finally just during, um, nope, it was like right before the pandemic, shortly before I was like, went to the doctor, doctor said, your A1C is 11.4. And I don't know if you know anything about an A1C, but that's dangerously high. Like you're, you're just, you're on the path for death. And it kind of shook me because I was almost at the age that my mother was when she died, she died from cancer. Um, and I didn't want to leave my children. I have two sons. Um, the oldest one still lives in Alabama. And I have two grandsons from him. And I didn't want to leave them. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch this documentary. And you know how Netflix is like, oh, watch this one too. So then I watched um, What the Health. Again, mind blown. And then ultimately it took me to Food Inc. And that was just like... I know the term that liberals love to use is that they're woke, but on the right, we like to say that we're awake. And that was my awakening. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Here I am, this red-blooded American who, you know, supports hunting and, you know, all these other things and steak and burgers and because that's American, right? And I was just like, but what's happening behind these closed doors, that's not American. Um, I actually wrote it down because it's, it's a quote that I love. Paul McCartney said it best. If slaughterhouses had glass walls, everyone would be vegetarian. Well, I think they would actually be vegan, Paul. Um, it, it just, and then I've watched um, Dominion, which was just horrifying. It was two hours of, you know, people love horror movies. Well, that's that's a horror movie in itself. I was just wrecked crying. I could not believe it. It was just so for me, I cannot even begin to fathom using animal products. I I I have so many animals in my house, it's ridiculous. People make jokes and say that I'm like my own personal zoo. Um and I always always considered myself an animal lover. Yeah. But when I was a meat eater, I wasn't an animal lover. 
I was a lover of pets, not of animals. Now I can officially say that I love all animals because I'm very conscientious of what I wear and what I'm eating and what I'm using for products because my first instinct is to go and look, oh, does this have some kind of an animal byproduct in it? Because maybe it does and they've just labeled it some weird chemical name and I don't want any part of that. Um, and so that's that's what basically took me to being a vegan. And after watching those movies, I made my husband and my son, I'm like, you have to come watch this. And they came in the room and we all sat and watched it and everybody was just like, oh my gosh. I said, we're doing this. We are doing this. And my husband being the ultra supportive person he is, he was like, okay. And so I went into the kitchen. I boxed everything up. I called my son's um, best friend's mother and I was like, hey, do you want a box of like meat and cheese and milk and butter and all this other stuff? She was like, okay. And she came to get it and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, we're going vegan. And <laughs> the look on her face was just like, what? Like deer in he headlights, literally. She's like, what do you mean you're going vegan? I'm like, yeah, we're going vegan. She's like, what exactly does that mean? I said, oh, no meat, no cheese, no butter, just to put it in basics, like no animal products. She's like, well, what are you going to eat? And I love that question. I get that all the time. People say to me, well, what do you eat? Do I look like I'm starving? <laughs> do I? No, not even in the slightest. I eat very good. I eat very healthy. Um, we do occasionally like to eat the faux meats because I think my husband still struggles with giving up the idea of like eating a meat. For me, I could eat, you know, rice and beans and vegetables every day. I'm 100% a vegetable person. He's not. I think it's just his sorry guys I think it's his maleness <laughs> that he has that like struggle with letting go of the idea of eating a burger or eating chicken which just it, it horrifies me the idea of it now but um so that's that's basically what brought us to it um and I love the journey that we're on they just continue to follow and um, you know, I'll bring them new little tidbits. I'm like, Hey, did you know this? Come watch this. And they love it. They eat it right up. That's an incredible story. That's something, I mean, that never happens. <laughs> I, I wish uh, more people would react that way and make those changes, um, you know, in a, in a heartbeat after watching those documentaries. And, um, but I, I can, I can relate to your story because in my case, I became vegan uh, overnight, basically. Once I was convinced, I was convinced, and there was no turning back. So I understand that that feeling. Uh, so, Andres, what was your story? Uh, yeah, well, Michelle, I just wanted to comment. I like that you had a balance of, like, health information first, which is... Mm -hmm quite objective, I would say, you know, the, the information that the, the research and the data that we have now, but then also getting like the emotional aspect as well with the animals. And that is also undeniable with the, the compassion that all humans are equipped with. It, it's undeniable that no one would want to participate in something like that and, and that it's unjustifiable too. Um, so I just wanted to comment on that. It's very nice. For me, uh, thankfully, it was very easy, always had supportive parents, always had supportive uh, 
partners and and friends. So really no no uh, issues with that at all. At age 22, a little later than I should have, well, definitely later than I should have, um, I became vegetarian. My sister uh, was vegetarian, it still is. My girlfriend at the time was vegetarian. So it was like, you know, influenced all around me, but um, I, it didn't happen until I was 22 that I, you know, I thought that there was a lot more preparation involved or a lot more um, like research that you had to do, but really it's, it's like a, uh, a moral decision. And then once that is switched, like once that, uh, switch is, is flipped, you can look into like, okay, how should I feed myself? And then you're good to go. So, um, that switch got flipped at 22 and then the vegan switch got flipped at 27. And there were like weak attempts while still being vegetarian to go fully vegan because I knew that it was better and I knew that I cared about animals and, and didn't want to be the reason that they suffered. So, um, it, but, but it didn't really click in with my behaviors until 27. And that was, well, I want to say overnight, but I guess it was five years in the making that I became vegan. But once, once that switch was flipped, I mean, it was, it was, uh, one day to the next that I just dropped all animal products. Um, and yeah, it was always, um, supportive from, from everyone. I didn't really receive any, um, any pushback, but, um, in the last maybe two years, I've gotten a lot more into vegan advocacy, um, activism and into like talking about it more. I, I am passionate about telling people about how wonderful this has been in my life. Um, in, in not just how I feel physically, more energy and clearer skin and a bunch of other things, but also just like emotionally and, and the, the person that I am, I've always been someone who is, um, nonviolent, somebody who, who believes in peace. Um, so in, in those ways, I, I feel like it, it just lined up perfectly with, with veganism. Um, and I also like to think of it as a justice movement. Um, I like to remind people that you don't have to care about animals. This isn't necessarily, although it does help. And Michelle, I'm, I'm so glad that you are an animal lover. Um, but but I also like to remind people that it's not something that requires so much compassion. Because when we think about other injustices in the world, um, women's rights, gay rights, um, you know, Africans who are enslaved, we don't think about them in a way that say, well, we should be compassionate towards them and, and afford them a little leniency here. Um, we say that as a baseline, this is the least we can do is leave them alone, right? Allow them to exist, allow this person to exist and, and leave the, you know, leave people alone to not be under your rule, under your dominion, under whatever, um, whatever oppression you're putting on gays, women's slaves, whatever it is. Um, and so it's just extending that now to animals and it's, it's to recognize that there is no justification, right? It's an injustice. It's, it's discriminating based on species and, and that there is no justification. And that's like, that's where the, the ethical and moral baseline comes in. And I feel like it's less about feelings and emotions and, um, 
it's more logical and it's more uh, just a rational decision. And especially with the conservative crowd, I like to, not that I've spoken with many conservatives about this, but every now and then I do, somebody who shares certain things that I believe in, I say, you know, there are a lot of parallels. I know that in the media, veganism gets painted as a left-wing thing or it gets painted as like an overly emotional thing. Like, you know, it's people who who care about animals and they're so empathetic and so uh, compassionate that they can't imagine this. And yeah, th that might be the issue or the reason for some people. And I'm glad that people are loaded with empathy and compassion. But there are a lot of people also who do it from a purely logical and rational standpoint. There's no justification for this. You wouldn't like this treatment if it was unto you or, or unto any one of your family members. And um, to afford other people their liberty is a huge part of my conservative views, my libertarian views. Um, in fact, libertarian also has other words that some people use for it. I've heard it be referred to or described as voluntarism, which is the idea that all actions must be voluntary. You cannot coerce another person to give you money via taxation or property. Um, and you cannot, um, like, yeah, co there's no, no force or co coercion. Um, they, I've also heard it be referred to as consensualism. So you must consent to all actions. And I see your, your uh, heads nodding. We see how this is exactly in alignment with, with veganism. We don't, the animal doesn't consent to have her milk taken from her. The, that's for her children. You know, um, the, the animal does not consent to having their head chopped off so that you can enjoy their flesh. That's their own flesh. They have the right to their own uh, body. And a lot of that is linked to libertarianism. One last thing about libertarianism, a core tenet of this philosophy or, or belief system is what's known as the non-aggression principle, NAP, non-aggression principle. And it's in the name. There, It's a principle that libertarians live by that says, I don't hurt you, you don't hurt me. I don't take things from you or force you to give me things. And and similarly, I expect the same from you. And then apply that to government, apply that to social structures. And I think you've got a well-oiled machine and a good running society. Um, and I also think that it, it's like fundamentally, a lot of people believe this too, right? Like this, the, the individual unit is is the most fundamental and, and the most uh, important one. Without individuals, we don't have communities. So I like to kind of draw those parallels as well. Um, so that's my, my, my vegan journey so far. <laughs> those are interesting points. And um, it even applies to uh, liberals, I think. Um, one liberal I'm thinking about is a natural vegan. She's a YouTuber. I don't know if you heard of her. But she talks openly about how she's not an animal lover. She has been vegan for years and years, but uh, what convinced her um, was, you know, ethical arguments, uh, philosophical arguments. Um, that's what I get from uh, her her position. But um, in preparation for this interview, I uh, looked up at reasons why there are less conservatives who are vegan than uh, liberals. And one of the reasons given was how uh, there was no social support uh, for um, the veganism of some conservatives. And 
I wonder, you know, you in your own lives, you had the benefit of having, you know, a supportive family around you. Uh, in the case of Michelle, who even all became vegan. But what about your interaction with other fellow conservatives? Was it always uh, like this supportive attitude toward uh, your lifestyle? Or was it uh, sometimes, you know, there was a clash or maybe uh, some uh, judgment on on your choices? Um, Michelle, would you like to, to answer? Um, I would say for the most part, it's, it's been pretty, I don't know, since I went vegan, I've kind of made my social circle smaller, um, because it's not always so well accepted or received. Um, my father, um, just kind of shakes his head at me. However, when we go for Sunday dinner, I don't eat what they're eating. I make something else. And my father is always in the background going, wow, that smells so good. What is that? And I'm like, oh, come and take a taste. And he'll come and take a taste. And he's like, oh, my God, what's in it? So, of course, you know, I try to give him the recipe. And um, he's he's getting older. He's in his 70s. So I'm like, you should, you should eat healthy. You know, I want you here longer. Like, I lost my mom way too soon. I don't want to lose you too. And you got to stop eating so much junk. Like eat healthier. Um, the people at my work, they're actually pretty supportive. Like, you know, we tend to go out to dinners occasionally. Um, and so they always try to find somewhere that's either vegan or has vegan options. I, me personally, I prefer if I'm going to go to a restaurant for it to be fully vegan just because I've seen cross contamination. I've worked in kitchens, and it's just unless I'm sitting there watching someone cooking my food, you know. Um, my husband, as I said, super supportive. My son's super supportive. My oldest son, not so much. He loves to send me like horrible, mean vegan memes, um, and he thinks they're funny. So yeah, there's that. Um, but it's okay. I like to take little digs at him too. And then we just laugh at each other and move on. Cause you know what? At the end of the day, I have a great sense of humor. Some say I even have a dark sense of humor to some degree. Um, so I just kind of laugh at him and move on. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a place here in Florida, in Orlando. And that's, the, that's where I go to. That's where I want to take my non-vegan friends to. Sorry, Michelle. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not hearing you well all of a sudden. Now? Um, it sounds better, I think. Yeah. Okay. Let me, yeah. Can you, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Yeah, this is better. better. Okay. So sorry about that. Sorry. Um, is it Ethos Kitchen, by the way? Is it? Oh my God, no! But I love that place. Let me tell you, we went there and ate one time, and the strawberry milkshake. Like, you know, people always say, "Oh, well, what do you miss since going vegan?" Okay, so one thing I used to say was, "Oh man, the strawberry milkshakes from Chick Fil A." Hello, can I get an amen? And when I went to Ethos and I saw they had one, I was like, "Yeah, let me get one of those." Sorry, they would put Chick-fil-A out of business overnight. Their <laughs> strawberry milkshakes are phenomenal. Um, but no, it's the Winter Park Biscuit Company. You know, the yeah. place that has a line around the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have the t-shirt like, in, in the closet right here. I, uh, I, would pull it out I love that place. <laughs> My dad's like, no way, this is not chicken. I'm like, yeah, it's like witchcraft, right? <laughs> yeah, super delicious. 
So good. But that's our that's our vegan junk food. You know, like we don't eat like that on a typical. Um, but that's just that's our little guilty pleasure when we go there to eat. Yep. There is a new place too. It's called um Dharma. I don't know if you've heard oh, of yeah. that place. Yeah, Dixie yeah. Dharma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we my girlfriend and I love traveling for food. So we'll we'll go Absolutely. to Orlando, we'll go to Tampa, St. Pete. Um, have you I, been to um Paisley Vegan Kitchen in Melbourne? I don't think so. Gotta try it. They even yeah. have a donut shop connected to it. And oh man, like the um black and seitan is my absolute favorite. So good. My husband always gets the chicken and waffles. Yep. Cool. Paisley vegan. Yeah. I got it here. Yeah. So take, good. Take some notes, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so where were we? I know that you had a question there, Ryan. Um, but I Yeah, so uh, I, I was wondering, you know. Um, what makes um, being uh, vegan and conservative difficult and or, or rare? Um, mm -hmm. And maybe it was the lack of social support. Yeah, um, I I would say that I'm the odd one out. And again, like my social circle. In fact, a, a lot of uh, my friends aren't even totally sure about my political leanings. I think some of them have an idea and some of them have even made comments. But again, I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I'm a cyclist. I hang around with a lot of lefty, progressive type people. Um, you know, so so that's my friend group where I think maybe some of them are just apolitical. And if they do say something, it might be a little more left leaning progressive. But um, I, I'm the one who has maybe read up a little bit more. I have um, done done research and I've thought about these things. And I am also less afraid to say that I think this is the view of the world that would improve society or that is, is better for the world. So um, I wouldn't say that I have had any issues because if anything, I'm, I'm the odd one out. So I'm, you know, by, being vegan, it's it's pretty uh, accepted, but being conservative is the part that's that's where I'm facing issues. I already have some friends who've said a few nasty things to me thinking that I'm, you know, racist or a bigot or something when a lot of my viewpoints come from the opposite of that, from embracing the individual, from giving everyone an opportunity and not taking away from others and giving others so that there's like more dependency on, on government programs and all that. Like I I think that if everybody did their best, we would have a better society. So um, that's that's kind of just a summary there. Um, and and I one point that I do want to make because there I do have some conservative friends, and one of them is actually one who turned me on to pro life thinking. And I said, oh, you know, and I, I made a point that maybe a lot of people bring up about um, abortion, and I was like, well, you know, it's gonna it, it may stop crime and it may, you know, help certain situations socially. This is a few years ago that I had these thoughts. And he said, well, that's, don't you think that's a little bit like eugenics saying that we should kill off this population because they might be problematic for society and allow these people to live? Um, it, it's an unfair generalization. And, you know, I agreed with him. And so he's, he's my conservative friend. And we have talked about veganism and he is in total agreement other than his behavior. You know, we, we've talked about it and, and he, he, you know, jokingly one time 
or, or perhaps not so jokingly, but he was like, stop talking because you're going to turn me vegan. I was making points to everything. I was, I was rebutting everything that he was saying. I was linking it to conservative values, linking he's, he's a, a, a Catholic person. So linking it to stewardship that we have upon earth and, and God's uh, creatures. And, and would he be proud if Jesus came back to earth today and saw it? So, you know, I was making all the points and um, I think the only reason why he is not is precisely the the lack of social support the stigma around uh like what a vegan is a vegan is a screechy uh, annoying uh loud person who makes you feel bad and it's all these pre-programmed ideas of what a vegan is and he's saying why well, I, I can't i can't become part of that like that's not that's not who i am i'm not that type of person so Again, going back to the question of why um, I signed up to to come on here is to show that you don't have to be a screechy, annoying vegan to just believe that animals deserve to be uh, left alone and and not treated as objects or commodities. So and and that you can be um, somebody who has right wing ideas or conservative and and adopt these morals because it doesn't take any privilege, it doesn't take any social class or any wealth or anything to become vegan. Um, you don't have to be of a particular background to adopt morals. It's not a privilege to adopt morals. So um, kind of a, a lot of answers there for you, Ryan, to, to pick through. But um, I, I do, yeah, just want to maybe reiterate that, that I think way more conservatives would adopt this ethical stance if it didn't have that negative social stigma, um, which is why I think we have to represent ourselves in numbers, Michelle, as as conservatives, and then Ryan, just as a level-headed, rational person who likes talking about this and, and wants to promote this idea that within all of us is probably already there, right? Causing unnecessary harm is wrong. That That's a, a baseline I think most people can agree with. So um, just just showing up and and showing people that you can be level headed, rational, and calm, and and have these views. Yeah, and I one hundred percent agree. I mean, I don't think this should not be a political issue. This is the mass murder of billions of sentient beings. We should not put it in a in the liberal or conservative uh, uh, spectrum. I think it's just. We should think about it as we need a lot of people to become vegan and fast. Uh, whether they are conservative or liberal, who cares? Um, but it's more complex than that in reality. And we need to take into account, uh, I think, the political stance of of people. And so my next question is, what kind of arguments can we use with conservatives to... Um, influence them and try to advocate for for veganism. Um, did you ever think about it? Um, do you have experience with it, Michelle? I will let you start. <clears throat> um, so I actually love this question um, because I remember, you know, just a few short years ago, I was that person that used to mock and laugh at vegans. You know. Um, I, you know, you see the meme that's like, oh, the vegans coming over for dinner, we can just send them out into the front yard to eat the grass. 
Um, and ha ha ha, those were funny. And I think for bringing people to vegan, right? Like for me, it was my journey that I took. And I think that they're so we're, we're so quick to put everybody into a little box. This is what this means. And this is what this means. And this is what this means. And I think we need to break down the box, get rid of it, shove it out the way, get them in, teach them, you know, like find that common ground. There's going to be something that's going to bring somebody in on that common ground. For me, my journey started because of my health. My, I had diabetes. Um, my weight was out of control. I, I've dropped almost 150 pounds and my A1C is in with normal range now. Um, I'm more conscientious of what I put in my body. It's not just food for food. It's food for fuel. Um, and I've always been someone who just, I, I love animals. And so that was it for me. You know, for some people, it's going to be, obviously it's the ethical but for some people, it's going to be the environmental bit of it. And for some people, it's it's just there's always going to be some touch point that we can reach them with. Um, you know, I was watching Dominion and when they were inseminating the cows and I'm thinking as a woman, how can we as women support an animal being raped? How can we support that so that you can have milk or burgers or whatever on your kitchen table? How is that right? Would you support your mother, your sister, your aunt, your daughter being raped? Absolutely not. It was just so it's it's I feel like it's little things like that. You have to find that common ground. Um, and and um, to go based, I just want to touch on something that Andres had said as well. As a conservative, we are painted one way we're painted as you know these um racist and bigoted and you know what far from the truth my husband is black um so i'm pretty deep i guess in a community where i know lots of black conservatives um and uh, bigoted i don't think so um you know, I have family members that are gay and I have family members who, you know, identify as trans and that's their journey. It's not my job to judge them. You know, it's and this is coming to my Christian values. That's between you and God, what you choose to do in your life at the end of the day is between you and God. It's not my job to stand up here and judge you. I am not going to throw stones when I myself have a glass house. Um, you know, I've been through so many things in my life and made poor decisions. And now as an, as an older female, I, I feel like, you know, we, we continue to grow, we continue to mature and we continue to make new cho choices. And I think people are so quick to go, well, I identify as this and I identify as that and I identify as this. Stop identifying yourself. You're growing. You're constantly changing. Today, you might be one way and tomorrow another. Just a few years ago, I was a diehard, you know, carnivore and made fun of vegans. Today, I'm the complete opposite. And I think people need to stop with the whole identities and just come together, find that common ground, and let's do what's right. You know, stop harming these animals that have no voice. Let's be their voice for them. 
but I'm not, you know, I'm not saying like go out and dump all the milk out of the refrigerator at the grocery store because at the end of the day, it's about supply and demand. So if you're increasing the supply, you're also increasing the demand. You need to reach people on a different level. Have that one-on-one conversation with them. You know, I, I told you I work in a bank. I have people that sit with me all the time and they'll talk about, you know, oh, foods that they like to eat. And then when they find out I'm vegan and they're like, wait, what do you eat? I'm a foodie. So I take loads of pictures of everything that I make. And I'm like, oh, let me show you my Instagram. And I whip out my phone and I start showing them dishes I make. And they're like, that's vegan. Yes, that's vegan. And they're just mind blown. You know, they're like, holy smokes, there's no way. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, we have like little potlucks at work. I'll bring stuff for food and they love what I've made. And so I just, I think we have to reach people. You've got to look for that common ground. That's going to be the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with um, with reaching common ground. I mean, that's the that's the ticket for effective activism, I think, is like understanding what the person believes and then responding to them, which is why listening is such an important a- aspect of activism or talking with people about this. It's not just having all these loaded up statistics and facts and figures, but it's listening to what they're saying and then responding empathetically um, and trying to think about what they must be thinking as you are telling them these things and and kind of going from there. Um, Ryan, to, to go off of that question about how we can um, gain more conservatives to this um, to this stance, um, education, going off of what Michelle was saying, yeah, just people, a lot of people don't know. My mom tells me all the time because I do sit her down and talk with her about it. And I know that she's a, a you know, compassionate and nonviolent person um, who would not want to contribute to it. But it's a matter of education, habit, um, misconceptions, stuff like that. So just talking with people um, and then again, keeping that calm, rational tone. I think Earthling Ed says that any any discussion that you have with somebody that you don't lose your cool, that you don't resort to name calling or ad hominem attacks, that's a win because it shows that a vegan who's typically portrayed as overly emotional, irrational, kept their composure and was able to talk about an emotionally charged topic. So education, keeping a calm and rational uh, disposition, um, appealing to their beliefs of individual liberty. I mean, again, so much of this is linked with with what we what we aim to do with animals, which is to just allow them to exist. Um, you don't have to love animals to allow them to exist. You don't have to love someone to refrain from stabbing them in the throat, right? You just if even if you don't like them, you you still leave them alone. It's the the base standard that we have. For other humans, we can afford that to animals too, because there is a way to exist without exploiting them. Vegans are proof of this. So just kind of appealing to these things that they believe. Um, if they are Christian or Catholic, I mean, I there are so many Bible passages that that we can look at. They will present their own Bible passages that that claim that meat eating is fine. But um, for every one that there is that could be construed like that, there's one that's pretty certain that says 
leave animals alone. I've given you the seeds of the earth for food and, and, uh, you know, ideas like that. So the Bible passage exchange could get a little, a little heated, but just talking with them about Jesus's teachings and, and like what God would want, um, what he want. I mean, I, I find that it's breeding animals into existence in a way is, is kind of like playing God, you know, you're, you're bringing them into existence, you're confining them and you're killing them at a premature, uh, at a fraction of their natural lifespan. So, you know, if you're appealing to their beliefs in, in God and, and the, the order that he would want for his creatures and for his world, I, I think that many people would disagree with that. And if God does want that, what does the devil want, right? It, like, what what would the most evil um, force want if if not animals to be, it's sentient beings to be suffering all day until they're killed at a fraction of their lifespan? I mean, it's it's pure evil. And I think most people can recognize that after they strip back the conditioning and the layers um, and one last point, um, the definitely like the masculinity is an issue because we have, or certain people have this perception that it comes from overly emotional people who can't handle the idea that an animal suffered and they'll bring up like, you know, what does a lion do? And like, do you think that a lion cares and stuff like that? Like, no, you have to, you know, embrace this, like, you know, um, where the top of the food chain and things like that, where I think that's playing into like what people feel about masculinity and about, you know, taking charge of your life and stuff. Um, and with that, I, I would just point to another example where we think that the person who is most masculine and, and the manliest is the one who's protecting innocent and vulnerable populations. If there's a guy who gets out of his truck to help a duck, you know, walk across the street, he's a hero. If there's a guy who rescues a puppy from a burning building, he's a hero. And, and that's shown as a sign of, of um, masculinity. If a guy is helping an older lady, a strong man is helping an older lady carry her bags and go across the street, that's a hero, that's masculine, that's using his strength for good and all these things. And then we turn around and say that it's masculine to breed, enslave, mutilate, and confine vulnerable, innocent beings. I mean, it goes completely against what we were just saying is masculine. This is the easiest thing you can do. Of course, you can put a chain around somebody and put them in a little cage. Um, that is, that's like the opposite of strength. That's, it's very easy and it's, it's exploiting the most vulnerable population. So, um, you know, kind of reminding them that masculinity is using your strength for good, using your manliness and your abilities for good. Just because we can do something doesn't mean that it's morally right, right? Might makes right is an argument that um, we encounter a lot that because we can, because we are the, the apex, we are justified in doing this. No, we can do it the same way I can harm somebody unnecessarily. I, I have the ability to do that. I can vault my fist and punch a toddler. I'm not going to do that. It's the wrong thing to do the same way it is wrong to harm animals unnecessarily. Those are very good points. And um, yeah, I, first of all, I truly believe in the capacity of people to to become vegan whatever the background is um and i've had guests on this podcast who have been workers of the animal industry not just eating meat 
but working for the animal industry for slaughterhouses and such. So if those people can make the transition and become vegan and become vegan advocates, then why why are other people why is it so difficult for other people? You know, that's always a question that baffles me and I have to to put myself in the shoes of of others. And yeah, Andres, it's all about speaking the language of the person uh, you're interacting with. And that's why I think this episode is important because if you don't know um, conservatives, if you don't know what they're thinking, uh, who they are, where they come from, how can you speak their language and then uh, influence them uh, to become vegan or, or at least get them to care a little bit about animal welfare. I want to quickly um, talk about uh, religion. I had a question for you, Michelle. If the leaders of your church, and I assume uh, you go to church, um, said that animal welfare was important, talked about veganism, would you have feel um, would you have felt influenced uh, or would you have considered veganism earlier? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they do host things throughout the year. Like it, the church we go to is also a school. Um, it's a private school and my son attends that school. Um, so throughout the year, they do fundraisers, they host like um, bake sales and dinners and what have you. And so I always bring something and everybody absolutely loves what I bring. Um, I usually bring like a um, a vegan chocolate cake and everybody just goes crazy for it. They're like, oh my gosh, I need this recipe. And when I tell them it's vegan, they're just like, what? No, absolutely not. I'm like, yeah, 100% vegan. They're like, this is the moistest, most chocolatey yummy cake I've ever had and yeah so um but I think yeah absolutely if that was something taught as a child I feel like yes it would have happened sooner um in fact this is kind of a conversation me and my sister sort of touch on but not really um like I said I like to call her vegetarian um and she has a young son he's 11 and I think for her ethically, she struggles feeding him meat, but she's concerned that he's not going to get enough protein or that he's not going to get enough nutrients. But I think that's, that's not, that is no longer a good valid excuse. And I don't really want to say that to her because I don't want to have that like aggressive in your face kind of conversation. But I feel like for me as a vegan today, it's much easier to be a vegan today than it would have been for someone, say, 10 years ago, because there's so many resources online. You can research till you're blue in the face how to eat healthy and how to maintain all the nutrients that you need to thrive. There's, you know, recipes that you can research. So there's just, in my opinion, in today's day and age, there's no excuse for it. None. None. Um, but I, and I get it, you know, coming from a mom's perspective, it's, it's hard for her to go, well, I don't want to harm my child, but you are actually harming your child because you're teaching him a lifestyle 
that's not a healthy and good and sustainable lifestyle. Um, you know, like when I watched what the health and they talked about all the things that milk products and meat products did to your body. Well, no wonder, you know, and if you're going to start someone at a young age, eating those types of foods, what's that going to do for them in their adult life? That would be like, if you took your child and decided you're going to raise them on gummy bears and Twinkies as an adolescent, then when they become a young adult or an adult, they're going to continue with that lifestyle and they're going to become morbidly obese with all kinds of health problems. Why don't we look at like, you know, meat and dairy and things of that nature the same way? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And for a long time, I was not convinced by the health argument um, because I think um, partly, you know, I come from a Mediterranean family and so we have a Mediterranean diet and it's hard to make the point that veganism is healthier than what they're eating. But yeah, there are many vegans who are convinced by the health arguments. And then down the line, they, um, they are uh, exposed to the ethical arguments. And then they, they stay vegan for ethical reasons, not so much for, for the health part of it. Let's end this conversation maybe with uh, this final question. Did you have something to add? Um, nothing really resounding. I just wanted to say thank you so much for putting this together. I think this is a great first step. Um, I feel like these conversations need to be had more. Um, I know, you know, like when we go to vegan restaurants, when we first started going, um, you know, my husband being a black man, he was just astounded every time he saw like another black man or another black woman. And he was just like, huh. Okay, you know, um, because when we lived in Alabama, we lived in this really teeny tiny town, right? And the population was probably 99.9% white. And it was literally him and our landlady who was black. So we had this like ongoing joke every time I would go to Walmart. If I saw like another black person, I'd be like, hey, honey, there's another black guy in here. You want me to invite him to the monthly meeting? And so it just, it became this like joke between us. Um, so now when we go to these restaurants and he sees other people, he's just like, oh. And I think that as we, you know, expand our numbers, when we start to see other conservatives too, I feel like that that's going to help to bring in more conservatives. And then we can all start to have that conversation. Oh, there goes my light again. We can all start to have that conversation because now we've all found that common ground between, you know, the liberals and the conservatives and how we're all vegan and we're doing great things together. Amazing. Yeah. Andres? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I've read somewhere that because there's a lot of black owned vegan businesses here in South Florida. Um, so I, I see a, a great representation of of vegan people who are black here in uh south florida i read somewhere that it's the fastest growing group of vegans and some theories involve having them like uh, black people who who have come from africa understand like the oppression that that they faced in the past and like are now applying it to the oppression that animals feel. So that's a theory that's going around for why they're the fastest growing. Um, I can't speak to that, but yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, pretty... it's an argument that Gary, you know, who, 
we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, you know, he always talks about how it's easier to convince uh, someone who has been oppressed or um, uh, who came from a background of oppression to become vegan than um, someone who hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so that's, that was cool. Um, I wanted to make one other link to maybe my, uh, my awakening in becoming conservative and my awakening or maybe another person's awakening into becoming vegan is um, that that documentary, What the Health, really exposes a lot of lies that we're told by the by these industries that want to make profits from people, um, pharmaceutical industries, food, food uh, companies and all that. And it, it kind of like exposes that there's like all these all this manipulation going on to the public. And I kind of felt like that was what was going on in the last like five years or so when I started like looking into certain topics more. It's all about like media perception, liberal, good uh conservative bad and and just like how we're manipulated to believe certain things we're manipulated to believe that animals don't matter we're manipulated to believe that conservatives are bad evil people so it, i think that what the health documentary might be pretty good for conservatives to say like hey i don't want to participate in this industry where so many people are lying to me because you know maybe the modern conservative might be especially in like like my age group you know, might might be a little more um, cynical and skeptical of of big programs like that. So they might be saying, "Well, if I'm cynical of government and and big programs like that, maybe I can also be cynical about these lies that we're being fed about the food industries and and um, clothing industries and all that." Um, and one last point, and thank you for the opportunity to share final final closing thoughts, because Michelle, you were saying a bunch of cool things there. And you were saying how some people believe that veganism is extreme. And there's another, uh, another vegan philosopher, activist, um, personality online, Gary Francione, maybe Ryan, you're, you're familiar with him? No, I'll, I'll send you a link. He's, he's good. He's a, uh, a professor at the University of Rutgers, I believe in New Jersey. Um, he and I disagree on certain things. I think he's way more liberal with a lot of his politics. Um, but he's recently gotten into some trouble because of some views that he has on uh, about uh, trans people and and their beliefs. So I'll allow you to investigate that on your own. But he's kind of a, an interesting character with his views. But final thing that what he says, um, veganism is not extreme. What's extreme is teaching your children to love animals and then teaching that you can harm the ones you love. Right. That's a very dangerous uh, message to be promoting. Right. And that that animals matter, but they don't when it comes to food, clothing and entertainment and medicine. So it, it that's that's a point that he makes about the extremism of non-veganism. And I, I wanted to share that. Yeah, I, I don't like that word. I prefer the word radical because, you know, we're going to the root of a problem and, you know, we're changing ourselves so in a way it's radical um, but even then you know there are people who don't make truly difference between you know radical and extreme but i make it you know i think extreme is not 
the adequate word for for veganism for vegan transition but radical would be a, a better word because it is radical i mean <laughs> it is life-changing I, i agree i agree that it's radical in our current society in the way that society is structured right now i believe that in its most fundamental form in essence it's inaction right it's veganism is the absence of exploiting animals whereas right now the standard is to exploit animals this is this is the opposite it's saying i'm leaving other people alone i'm i'm actually abstaining from acting so in a way i would say that it's not radical at all it's it's the the common baseline decency that we have for other people so um but yes in our current society for sure it is radical um And I would also oppose the idea that it's radical to to refrain from causing harm to others, right? Most people are in agreement with that. We're just the ones who are saying, well, now it's time to act like it and let me stop paying for animal products, animal services. Yeah, I, I like how you flip it on its head and say, you know, I have more of a passive vegan approach than an active vegan approach. So did you want to comment on that, Michelle, or are we good? Um, well, I was, I actually had a thought while he was talking. Um, and it kind of went to like, when you were talking about like black people coming more to being vegan. Yeah. Um, and just thinking back through history, right. We as humans have done like horrific things. Um, but we continue to evolve, you know, there was like, um, Hitler and the Jews and, um, the blacks being enslaved and I mean, people being enslaved still to this day, you know, but we continue to evolve. We just have to learn to stop supporting those companies. You know, we don't buy certain brands because we know that they're using child slave labor. Um, and so I think it's just people need to wake up, do their research, look at these huge companies and what are they supporting? You know, don't just go out and buy that product because that's the product that you want. Is it ethical? Is it a right thing to do? Maybe, you know, in another 50 years, more people are going to come to this movement and be like, gosh, I can't believe we were so horrible that we did that 50 years ago, you know, killing and torturing animals. And maybe in 50 years from now, it's going to be a different, it's going to be different because as we all come together, I feel like we can speak to it, you know, and as conservatives, we can, we speak the language, right, of the conservatives. So we can speak to our conservative friends and reach them. And, you know, liberals can speak to their liberal friends and speak, bring them in as well. I think that's, that's the foundation. You got to have a good foundation. Yeah, I, I subscribe to, to what you said, Michelle. And I'm so proud that we are a part of that change, that first you know, wave of um, changing the world uh, to make it uh, a better place for animals and uh, against uh, uh, animal exploitation. Yeah. So again, thank you very much, both of you, for having uh, answered my invitation and my questions. Uh, it, it is truly appreciated. Thanks so Thank much, Thank you Ryan. for having us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. What a great and inspiring conversation this was. I invite 
all of you to share this episode with the conservatives you know, family, friends. Maybe this will make a little difference in increasing that 2%. As always, let me know if you liked this conversation. Leave me a good review or reach out to me on Instagram at Vegan Report Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Take care and see you next Tuesday for a new episode.